Hello and welcome to Stories from House Arrest, episode 22, season 2. Uh, my name is Jordan Merrick and it's awesome to be here today and bringing you another episode of the podcast. Um, we've got a really awesome episode today with a great guest named Andy Martin. Um, it's been a really interesting week here in Queensland. We've gone from, in fact, a few weeks, in fact, we've gone from little to no COVID cases to just yesterday, we had 20,000 in the day. Um, pretty crazy. We haven't gone through this yet. So it's been, um, interesting to say the least. Um, you know, obviously it's been really challenging. It's been really sad to see so many venues not being able to open just due to short staff because staff are sick and it goes to show we've still got a little bit of a way to go for, from this COVID thing but um, I feel like once um, it's well and truly endemic and it's spread far and wide enough um, I think society has no other option but to move forward and I think we're definitely on that path Hopefully it's sooner rather than later for all of our sakes, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, this episode with Andy was recorded a couple of months ago, just, I think November in fact, and um, it's really interesting to listen to it back and edit it, well I did that yesterday I should say. Um, but yeah, going through and talking about the scene and talking about the challenges that we've gone through with COVID and it's funny each year has brought a new challenge and this year in, entirely feels like a completely different challenge and I think more important now than ever is to look after ourselves and our own mental health and and support those around us and always make sure that you're listening and looking for signs if someone's going through a hard time check in with them make sure they're okay um, it's our duty as people and I think if we all do it the world becomes an infinitely better place um, but yeah, look, moving on to this week's guest, once again, I've got Andy Martin on this week, and um, Andy is uh, a great guy, we talk about all things music, mental health, we even get some Brisbane Lions chat, some AFL chat, which uh, I don't know if anybody listening to this is going to enjoy, but it's very brief, so don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, Andy is, is a great songwriter, he writes very upbeat rock, uh, pop rock, that sort of style music, very uplifting. Um, but what I really love about his music is he is able to do that and juxtapose the music with, you know, very deep lyrics. And I think to get the balance right the way he has is nothing short of impressive. And um, he's someone, definitely someone to watch and someone to go see live. I've seen him live um, and him and his band are awesome. So definitely worth checking out keeping an eye out for Andy Martin. And, um, you know, above all else, he's a great dude. So a very good person to support, especially in a year where I know musicians are going to need support. So please get out there, give him a like, follow him on Facebook and all that, all that jazz. Um, but until then, I present Andy Martin. Coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so how was how was the last year and a half? How's COVID been for you? Honestly, yeah, pretty average. Um, that's mainly from the mental health side of things. I I was having this chat to somebody yesterday um, about the introvert extrovert thing, and I'm probably seventy thirty towards the extrovert side of things. I like to be around people, and I like to have that sort of connection with people. Mm. But over the last 18 months, I haven't been able to have, I suppose, what a normality for me would be like. Yeah. So it's trying to navigate through 
that change in my head as well as trying to live my normal life. Mm. So it's just another added sort of pressure thing that's going on. Yeah. So um, over the last 18 months, I've kind of just sat on my floor and written music. I had to work from home for a long period of time, which is something that I wasn't used to. I found that really, really hard as well. Mm. Um, Sitting in a room and not having the separation from work to home, not being able to switch off mentally from what I was doing at the time. So I think I've written some cool songs about it. Mm. That's probably the only plus side of the last 18 months. But the reality of it all being cancelling multiple tours that I've had booked and put Mm. so much hours, so many hours into that, having to... Just, yeah, literally let myself, let my band and let my pe- let my friends and stuff mm. down by not being able to play music. Um, I don't know. Just overall, it's been a pretty average time. Mm. Like, it's been hard to meet new people. Mm. It's been hard to get out there. And, yeah, play- playing music's the one thing that I enjoy really doing. I really enjoy doing. And not being able to do that has been pr- pretty average, I yeah. guess. What have, what have you learned about yourself in this period? Like, is there something that... Like, because obviously it's a, it's a completely unexpected challenge that's thrown to everyone. Like, is there something that through this period that you've learned about yourself that you didn't really know, like you could do, or or that, in fact, um, something that you know you realize, oh crap, this is something I'm going to need to to work on. I've like, learned I've learned that I'm a pretty good cook. Oh, excellent! So that's, excellent. that's that's one thing. Um, <laughs> I like my own cooking. So that's one thing I've gotten better at cooking. Excellent. So that's one thing I've learned about myself. Another thing I've learned about myself is that my attention span is quite short. Mm. So I can't, I'll, I can't, I get, I get bored sitting through a movie oh, yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent. I might get about an hour through a movie and I'm mm. like, all right, what's next? What's next? What can I do next? Yeah. That might be just a minor agitation, minor, yeah. minor, minor, I suppose, attention disorder or something, mm. something along those lines. Um, a thing that I've learned about myself, though, is that I do need to separate myself from work mm. and my personal life. Mm. That's the main thing I think I've learned over the last 18 months is I need to be able to separate those two things. Otherwise, they'll both consume each other. Yeah. And that's really what I did notice. And there was a certain point in COVID and actually the song that I submitted to Listen Up where we were chatting about it was literally in the middle of that time mm. where I was just like, I need to... I really need to take time for myself because I'm not in a good way yeah. at all. So I think the main thing I've learned is I need to separate my work and my personal life. Yeah, it's very tricky. And it's something I, that you know confronted me a lot too when this whole work from home thing happened. Um, you know, I felt lucky enough to have a job, but then after a while, you, you don't feel as lucky. You, you feel, especially I think, I don't know if it's like a songwriter thing, but you know, for, for me knocking off and then going to write I was like man I can't I need just need to get out <laughs> you know and it, it really for a good long while it affected my writing and I it wasn't a writer's block it was more I just didn't want to um I just couldn't I needed to just have a break from it and um yeah and then when you're not writing as much you know for me like writing is my outlet that's my get out of mental health jail free card you know so when you don't have that and then 
the, the worlds, as you said, collide. It, it can be really tricky to adjust. Yeah, well, I, I found in COVID I had an unhealthy relationship with food and alcohol as well. Like, mm. not, not in a bad way. Not like I was drinking every night, but I was drinking yeah. more than I normally would. Mm. And it'd be like a school night. I'm like, I'll have a glass of wine. Mm. And it'd be, and I'd be eating unhealthily because I'm like, oh, I've had a pretty average day sitting at home. I might as mm. well just get takeaway food. Yeah. Like, I found myself gaining an unhealthy relationship with mm. the things that I don't normally do, which yeah. in turn probably affected all of the other parts of my life, mm. i.e. my mental health, my writing abilities. Mm. And I think everything, as I said, it was just consuming each other. A matter of like, you'd book a show, you'd book a tour, you were mm. so hyped. You're like, I'm so excited. We're finally getting out of this thing. And then boom, lockdown. Within, yeah. within a day's notice, you've had six shows canceled. You've had all of, you have to cancel all of your flights. You're not sure if you're going to get the money back from those. Mm. You've booked accommodation to the, the places you're going to play shows at. Yeah. You're not sure if you're going to get your money back from that. All of the added pressure that goes into being a musician yeah. and a songwriter that people who aren't in that industry don't 100% understand. Yeah. And that's just, it's not being naive or anything. It's just they're not in that industry. Mm. It's the same as I wouldn't know all of the behind the scenes things that would go on if I was a professional football player. Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. Have you found... I know you said you, you obviously, when you were writing, and you obviously did a bunch of writing over this period. Have you found your writing has changed since pre-COVID, like the topics and the things? Uh, or even how you write? Yep, I, I do believe um, it's, it's moulded itself from corny love songs with cool backing tracks to songs that are a bit more thought out. I feel my lyrics have gotten a little bit better over time. Once again, that's just practice makes practice makes better. Not practice mm. makes perfect, practice makes better. Mm. Every time you write a song, you're getting better at songwriting. Whether yeah. that's a good song or a bad song, mm. you're still learning and honing your own craft. Yeah. And I think the main thing that I've learned and the main thing I've learned about myself is that I can write cool things down mm. and... I'm not an idiot. I can write words that piece themselves together mm. and make sense and flow on topics that I'm passionate about. Mm. So main thing, main thing that I think has actually evolved from a songwriting perspective would be the lyrics that I write. Yeah, awesome. How long have you been writing? Um, how old am I? 24. I've been writing music since I was about 10 years old. Oh, nice. Um, that was when mum and dad gave me my first guitar. There's photos of me playing a ukulele at three, but I don't want to count myself as a songwriter <laughs> at that age. Um, about age 10, I think I started writing my first songs about school rules and trying to repent against the school, and they were trying to make me eat healthy and wear high socks, and I just really didn't want to. So that was one oh, of the first songs. Those bastards. I know. No. <laughs> Not the long socks, you know. That's, oh, and, then, and then I remember, I remember the first song. I remember the fir my first main memory of songwriting because I used to just pull out this old nylon stringed Ashton three-quarter thing which was the size of me mm -hmm. and I remember I went out in the living room and I'd go into my room I'd be playing I'd be playing I'd be writing it down I'm like mum 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 and I'd go outside and I'd be sitting at the dining table as we'd be eating dinner mm -hmm. I'm like I just want to play one more I just want to play one song for you before mm -hmm. we have dinner mum's like yep go ahead and I remember I played this song about like um, we had to, I went to a private school in Cairns and mm -hmm. I, um, we had to wear these silly hats and I wrote this song about repenting against that and like why do we have to wear black leather shoes to school mm. why do we like why do we have to conform to this tucked in shirt in summer and mm. like none of this makes sense to me 
and I played this song to mum and she cried. She's like, that's, that was awesome. And I was like, yep, I'm going to be a songwriter. Like, mum just made my career. Oh, wonderful. So mum's, mum's figured it out for me. Oh, excellent. Well, <laughs> you know, she, I think she made a good call because, you know, <laughs> at least she didn't say that. It's like, you know what? He's going to be a builder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm very glad. But, so it's probably but actual good music probably the last five years. Yeah. Um, when that, that was when I'd been playing in like bands and stuff that I'd formed with friends mm. and um, writing songs where people actually started to resonate with them. Not just my mum, but a wider audience started mm. to resonate with my music. would probably be about five years ago. Yeah, nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When you think about... Like, I remember when I was, you know, 16, 17, writing songs and thinking, yeah, man, these are pretty good. And then a few years later, when you're writing better quality stuff, you look back like, oh, no one's ever seen those songs. They are in the vault. Is there, is there a reason for that? <laughs> oh, I just, oh, just some of them were very corny. Yep. And it took me a while. In fact, I'd say it wasn't until I sort of really deep dove into like Bob Dylan that I was like if you can't tell I like Bob Dylan <laughs> that's, a, that's a sick portrait up there yeah <laughs> he, he's he's a rock star yeah he really is um yeah no I love I love Bobby D um but for me it was more so you know just um his take on words was just something I never really took notice of and it blew my mind and I was like crap, I need to work on my lyricism. I am so bad compared to this guy. <laughs> so I made it my mantra to just learn as much as I could off Dylan. Um, but it's a fun journey when you're, when you're learning off others and then you have to start your own journey to find your own voice. You know, and what is your voice? Well, it could be anything. And when do you know you've got it? Well, you don't until you have hindsight. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting journey. Were, were there any artists like for you that really shaped you um old school artist michael hutchins in excess one of my favorite songwriters of all time obviously tragic but um mm. i still listen to their catalog weekly yeah i'm a huge huge in excess fan yeah that was just raw talent mm. raw talent raw emotion very yeah. smart songwriting brain mm. um and then you listen to i i don't know i always had old fleetwood mac records at home mum and dad loved australian rock so i'd have have the angels playing at home, have cold chisel playing at home. Nice. So that's your roots. That's yeah, your, that's your roots, bones. Yeah. That's your bones. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then more recently, more modern songwriters that I really do draw influence from. And I don't know if you hear it in my music or not, but I'm um, definitely Sam Fender. He's a British rock indie artist and his music's very cool. Mm. Similar. He can go from writing a corny love song. That's really cool to writing a song about, a political movement that he's really passionate about mm. to writing a song about his own mental anguish to writing mm. songs about his past like he can translate over those different types of songwriting and make it sound cool mm. and that's something that inspires me and also he just is a wicked guitar player which is another yeah yeah cool and with a surname like fender right <laughs> yeah you, you couldn't you couldn't know that's the thing he was born to be a musician yeah i don't know andy martin doesn't have the same ring to it yeah but <laughs> well hey martin yeah uh, I know, oh, there I you know. go there's a few cool sponsored martin. by martin yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's really cool do you like the stereophonics i've heard of stereophonics and they've got some bangers but it's... i haven't deep dove into their catalog i just know the singles you know what's funny i was listening to your music i was thinking what band do you remind me of? And so I was listening and I was like, okay, what's that song? Then I literally listened to Stereophonics. I was like, man, you actually, 
there's a lot of them in you, which is really cool because they're a, they're a cool band. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. No, it's interesting, and that's a funny thing as well. When you find your own sound, then you you happen to have a similar sound to another band that you don't even listen to. Yeah. It's weird how it can work like that. Like I was recording once, um, and one of my songs, the producer was like, "Man, this is a Tom Waits. This sounds so Tom Waits." And I was like, "I didn't even listen to Tom Waits at the time." I was like, "Oh, maybe I should check him out." And he's like, "This is the album. Go listen to it." And I listened to it, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> it sounds so much like it. It's like, I, and I couldn't have plagiarized it because I didn't listen to the album until that day. So it's funny, like, that's, I suppose, music, there's only, what, a couple of chords available. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you I can't that, avoid it. <laughs> similar, to what you, similar to what you were just saying, I was having a conversation with someone, they said, this song, this melody you're singing is a carbon copy of this holy, holy song melody oh, in, the, in the verse. True. All the intervals are the exact same, mm. everything sounds the same, I'm like... I did not even know. And this is one of my first songs I released. I'm like, I had absolutely no idea. It's a cool yeah. song. but I, yeah. And then I listened to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Like, oh, crap. <laughs> there's, there's only so, yeah. so many melodies, so many chords. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's why lyrics to me are so important. Like, yeah. you're going to hit clash. You're going to clash chords with plenty of people. And especially in an era that we're in where music has become so easy to record and release because of things like this home recording setups yep. you know that was not really possible in the analog days uh let alone imagine trying to distribute your own album like in the 80s <laughs> yep. that would have been you couldn't even do it like <laughs> how would you even do it these days you just go on the gyro stream and upload and there you go yeah even a podcast how could you even do a podcast it's, crazy. it's pretty cool hey yeah and i think what that's really done though is it, it's meant like there's been a huge inundation of music in the world which is bloody great but it also means that you, you can't avoid sounding like at least one other person, even if you've never heard of them until one day someone says, hey, you guys. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. When, when, you, um, when you go about writing your songs, because I know you obviously have, you've got bands and stuff, but when you write, how do you, like, think, how do you craft a sound? Like, how do you decide this is going to sound like this? In terms of like in general like songwriting going into the studio or how I want to translate that live um, I suppose like any like All say you've it. just written a song and you're like okay how, how do you know which direction it's going to go go in sound wise like do you take it to the band and say hey how's this going to sound or do you do it, work on it yourself I or? do all of the songwriting side of it on my own mm-hmm. um, I kind of I have a clear vision in my head when I've started a song. So mm. it might take me a while to get to a point where I've kicked off a song and started writing a song. Yeah. But when I do, I've got a clear vision in my head of the reference tracks it sounds like, the artists it sounds like, the vibe, yeah. the guitar tone I'm going to play with, the drum beat in the background, what I think would be a cool bass line. I'm lucky enough in the... Well, I'm lucky enough that I've got some amazing musicians that I play with that I'll come to them with these ideas that I think are pretty cool and they might add in a little bit of flair and yeah. they might, it might just take it from a, from seven to 11. Like mm. it, like sometimes I'm, I'm lucky with the guys that I play with and they're also, they're also very like happy with playing the music the way I want to play it as well, yeah. which is a nice thing as well. They're, they're happy to um, play the music the way I want it, but I'm also happy for them to add their bits and pieces to make yeah. it sound cool. When we go into the studio, I've got a pretty uh, clear idea of how I want everything to sound because mm. I'm paying a lot of money to record. Mm. I'd want to go in there with a clear idea of how I want the songs to yeah, sound. Yeah, 100%. But normally it's it starts off with one of two things. It starts off with 
the lyrics or it starts off with a single melody and I piece them together how I will normally with voice memos mm. which is how a lot of artists these days they'll be thinking and something might pop into your head and you'll shove it in your voice mm. memos and you'll start to write a song or if I'm playing around with my guitar pedals and I play something that I think sounds pretty cool I'll write yeah. a song around that yeah nice yeah voice memos is just the saviour of everything isn't it oh yeah. I literally have got so much that I need to go through. I've only only this year was the first year I've ever gotten into the habit of naming them, like just naming them random things, like some sort of sound in it. And uh, yeah, no, that'll be that'll be a trip going through them. <laughs> that'll be a end of year problem. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a Christmas that'll be a Christmas break when you're feeling like getting back into, I suppose, more of a writing zone. Yeah, I know, I know you've got your show coming up and you've got rehearsals and stuff for that. So that's yeah. probably where your brain is being consumed right now. But when it comes to a time where you actually have the, yeah, you have the ability to do that. Then yeah, that's it'll be fun just to upload them like to your computer and just go through them one by one and just see if there's anything legible and good in there. Yeah, just sift through it. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the um, like listen up music and and your song in that. Yep. Um, and I suppose it sort of links back to what you were saying earlier about sort of using the hard times that you went through during that period and sort of writing a bit about it. Like, do you find it, like how, when you write a song like that, how, how hard is it to then go play it? Do you feel, does, is it hard or is it? I actually find it the opposite. I find it relieving. Mm. I find music is music to me is therapy and it's a therapeutic thing for me to be able to be able to go and play these songs that I've felt quite sad about when writing to, be able yeah. to play them for people that they resonate with. Mm. Like I've, I've had friends and stuff message me like, that's really cool. I, this line really got me. I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I actually, it has the opposite effect on me, which is quite surprising mm. for a lot of people. But if I've, I actually find it like sadder sometimes playing the corny love songs on stage um, because the songs about the mental health stuff, I've gone through it at the time, mm. but I've had time to reflect on it. Yeah. So the songs are normally a reflection of what I've been thinking. Mm. So when it comes to playing it live, I'm actually quite excited. Yeah. And I do find it therapeutic. Yeah. Now that's awesome. And, and I definitely, I feel the same. Um, I, I always find it interesting because I know... You, you know, for some it's a lot harder than others, but I'm I'm definitely in the same boat where I feel like if if you can capture that feeling and emotion, and I mean I don't write very literal songs, I write weird songs, so, but they're always hooked into an emotion that I've gone through, and I find whenever I'm playing them, I do reflect. Sometimes I'll literally be singing a song and just thinking about that moment, and it's weird. You got to then try to remember the lyrics and not yeah. wig yourself out. But it it is really nice, I think, to reflect, and I think when you can get that out. It is, it's like, it's therapy. It's free therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I also do find um, with my writing that similar to what you were saying, you write about weird things. I kind of like, I can fabricate parts of it. So predominantly the song is about me and things I've gone through, mm. whatever, whatever that situation might look like. But there'll be bits of it which won't directly relate to me. Mm. It'll just be me kind of piecing together the puzzle of what I envision the song would be like. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like you're reflecting on your own song mm. at the time you're writing it and piecing it together to see see what would fit. It's basically my song is a puzzle and I've gotten th- I've gotten all the edge bits and half of the body together mm. and then I've gone and actually filled that up with yeah. a story that I've kind of fabricated in my own head. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so- 
One thing I wanted to ask as well, like following up from what you said, how like you you know when someone reaches out to you about the song that they've heard of yours and they've talked about the lyrics touching them, like how important do you think it is? Like I mean, even for, like for you in your own life, like growing up and listening to music, do you have any songs or even artists that have stood out to you? Like even like as a teenager that you know because sometimes you know when you're a teenager everyone goes through the nobody gets me phase, but do you have any artists that have done that for you um, in a like that stand out? Um, for me, Team Angsty sort of days was um, the first album I bought was the Wombat's first album. Oh nice! And um, I bought it because I went there with my brother and we went halves in it because he goes I don't want to buy this on my own and he goes yeah. we can listen to it together. So I used to rinse and repeat the Wombat's first album. A lot, mm. like a lot, a lot. Um, going through the sad times throughout school, I was, I was, I loved singer songwriter and folk music. That was my main influences when I was going through high school. So mm. my favorite artists that I used to listen to that would make me feel things would be Ben Howard's first album. Mm. Um, that that was one one of the albums that I was like, when I'm feeling sad, I can listen to this because this makes me feel good. Yeah. Um, another nice. artist that I used to listen to on repeat were Fleet Foxes. Oh, and, I love and yeah. that'd be there. Another, I used to listen to music as an escape then. I, I wasn't trying to find inspiration in what I was listening to. I was trying to relax. I was yeah. trying to chill out. And that, that, that's why I found, I found that genre of music quite mm. therapeutic. And, um, and when I was feeling like a cool teenager, I'd still go back and listen to that sort of music anyway, because yeah. I wasn't really that cool. Yeah, hey, Fleet Foxes are cool. They man. are cool. They are really <laughs> cool. And they write some awesome music. Yeah, definitely. No, I used to listen to a lot of heavy metal. That was my, my teen years with Screamo and metal and Any Circle Pits and Soundwave. <laughs> oh, man, all sorts. Like, everything from Avenged Sevenfold to Dimmu Bogier and Cradle of Filth and uh, Bullet for My Valentine, Escape the Fae, Funeral for a Friend... Uh, and then, of course, like lots of grunge, like, you know, Nirvana, Mother Love Bone. Yeah, man, the good stuff. The awesome. good old days. Awesome. Yeah. I know, it's so funny. Like, I used to listen to nothing. Like, the music I used to listen to is nothing like what I play. But um, I don't know. As much as I still love that sort of stuff, uh, I just can't play it. It's just, it's not me. Yeah. I suck at it. So I just stick to as long as I know. <laughs> do, you still, do you still listen to it, that sort of genre of music and still enjoy that genre of music? Yeah. Though? Yeah. Honestly, I don't listen to it as much as I used to, but man, I just love good music. And I, I think a lot of that stuff had was great music. Um, you know, I think, I think genres are, I think I, I've never been a fan of genres. I think genres are silly and I think you can, good music is good music regardless of it pigeonholes it exactly exactly yeah and it's something that um you know I've definitely felt like you know even talking like what we were talking about before with publicity and stuff like that it's always looking for ways how can we pigeonhole this okay it's folk or it's blues or it's rock when it's like, well, it's actually a lot of different things all rolled into one. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never been a fan of it, as a, especially as a songwriter. I probably didn't really care much as a listener. I never would have thought about it as a listener. But as a songwriter, I'm like, man, I just, I'm not a fan. Or the artists have to stay in certain genres and stay, stay within their sound bubble. I'm like, I don't no. agree with that part. I'm, I'm similar with you. People don't have to stay in the same yeah. sound bubble because people are changing over time. Their writing's mm. going to change over time. Yeah. Like, um, I listened to an interview with the Jungle Giants and their last album they released, they said, this is always the music that we wanted to get to. 
but mm. they they went from the angsty teen indie rock mm. to like electro pop music now mm. like and I, as i said i listened to an interview like this is the music that we always wanted to yeah, create yeah. when i was listening to sam and i was like oh that that's pretty cool so mm. he had an idea in his head of what things were but their path to getting there was quite different yeah so that's why i agree with i don't like the idea of people pigeonholing artists like mm. i think genres are an easy way for people to segregate what they enjoy yeah so i like indie rock but it's like what's indie rock to yeah you? I, I, yeah yeah now nah, it's an interesting one with your music like i find it it's a really interesting combination of like your I feel like your riffs are really uplifting and your music feels like it's got full of positive energy but then you look at a song like the one you played with Snart Music so it still had that feeling to it I think I even said it on the night it feels really uplifting but it's lyrically very dense and heavy like it's it's it was powerful but also uplifting yeah. like how do you how do you how do you do that? Like, how, how is that? Is that all intentional, or is that just purely coincidental? Both, both. So some <laughs> some songs it's coinc- some songs it really is coincidental. Mm. But um, I think shedding light on shitty situations is a nice way to write music. Mm. And um, I'm, it's not like I'm intentionally saying I need to write the funnest riff ever to this song, mm. which is about me absolutely hating my life at that time. Mm. But I do to some degree intentionally write with the idea of this is the music that I like and what I so I like writing uplifting happy sounding music Mm. like that's what I listen to and that's what I enjoy listening Mm. to and that's where I draw influences from Mm. but my lyrics are going to change over time anyway so I think my music will stay similar but my lyrics might change I could write a sad love song which would be a very very happy sounding thing mm. or I could... oh in like G major yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. G's a great chord oh yeah <laughs> it's one of the few chords on the guitar yeah <laughs> um, and but then then again I could write a song which was very happy very happy sounding mm. but it could mean something under the covers yeah drop D yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. so Stepping away from music for a sec. So we obviously know that you're a master chef in the making. Yeah. Uh, what, what's something else like outside of music that you that you really... It doesn't have to be over the last year and a half, but gen- just generally something that you really enjoy doing that, that isn't music. Um, watching and playing football. Oh, yeah. So which, I, which football? Uh, AFL mainly. Nice, AFL nice. AFL mainly. I used to play a lot of AFL growing up. That was the main sport that I was interested in. Um... I had a couple injuries, which took me out of my playing career. Oh, so would have been playing for the Lions right oh, now, yeah. but if it wasn't. But, <laughs> but, um, Are you a Lions fan? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nice, Lions me too. Fan, yeah. <laughs> um, so watching the footy was the main one for me. And just going on cool trips and hanging out with my mates. Like, yeah, There's nice. nothing much more fun than climbing a cool waterfall or going out camping or being in the outdoors or yeah, absolutely. just doing fun stuff with my mates that yeah. isn't sitting inside on my phone or isn't isn't mm. watching a TV. I like being able to leave my phone somewhere mm. and not look at it for a bit. Yeah, um, totally. A lot of people nowadays, myself included, get into the habit of if you've got your phone in your pocket, you'll be checking for it. You'll mm. pull it out. You'll look at it for absolutely no reason. Yeah. So anything that I can do to get me away from doing that yeah. is kind of a cool thing. But the main things to me, I love, I love footy. I love mucking around playing footy. I love watching yeah. football. I always have. 
mm. and just going and doing cool things. Yeah, like, nice. Now, I'm sure um, all the listeners love AFL as much as we do, yep. but I have to ask, did you go to the last final? No. Nah. I didn't want to I didn't want to get my heart broken. I was at a really really cool gig that night. I went and saw Ballpark Music. Oh, nice. That was the first dancing gig. It was at the Tiv. It was at COVID capacity, so it was about 750 people, which meant mm. that I could be somewhat at the front. I hate crowds. I hate mm. being right at the front and getting shoved around, but I could be somewhat close to the action. Yeah. And not getting barged around. So yeah, I was nice. having a great time. And then I had a little toilet break with KO on my phone and I was watching the footy for about 10 minutes oh. at the gig. And there was a guy who was two rows in front of me who had KO on watching the game as oh, well. Oh, wow. And I, <laughs> I, was on the, I was on the edge of my toes because I was standing up. Hmm. And I was just yeah, nail-biting, nail-biting. And I feel sad for every person that was there. A friend of mine who's a diehard Lions supporter, I sent him a message after the game and he didn't reply for four days. And he just goes, I didn't want to deal with this right now. Yeah, it definitely felt like I was there. Um, so I was there and I was at the um, the GWS one from 2019. And this one was just so much worse because it was just like, oh, man. I was at the GWS game too. Oh, man, yeah. yeah it was not Also fun. heartbreaking. Oh, it was. It was... <laughs> That was bad, but this one was worse. Much, much worse. But look, that's enough football talk. But yeah, I love the Lions yeah, too. Nice. Yeah, Always good to talk to another Lions fan. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad there's, there's a lot of us in Brisbane. Yeah, you're, we're definitely growing in numbers. I, I used to go to games when um, we were at the bottom of the ladder and I think it was one game I saw us play against GWS and there was like 8,000 people there or something. Yep. And I was like, oh. yeah, it was sad. Yeah. The members are only just creeping up yeah. now. Like they had their record amount of members la- this year. This year. Yeah, this when, year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's no, cool. it's awesome. It's pretty cool. It's, it's, uh, but also at the same time, it's quite sad seeing people support teams that are only winning. Yeah, the bandwagon. The bandwagon is like, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, you don't want to go to a game with a team that you support where they always lose. Yeah. I, I suppose I've done it and I, yeah. I still would do it. But it's quite sad for, like, the sporting teams. Like, because um, you see, that's where mental health comes into it as well. Like, you mm. see, like, death threats on footy players, on social media. Oh, that's insane. Like, yeah. so much racial abuse yeah, on social totally. media. Well, that's, it's, like, that's just so unnecessary. Yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing, hey, and this is music, it's football, anyone in the public spotlight. It's actually amazing how people will troll on the internet with no regard for the human on the other end. Um... It's unbelievable. Like it, it's, it, and that's something that, you know, it's one of the worst things of the internet is that, you know, the keyboard warriors come alive and they they're faceless and they troll, but it does such damage to people, especially if someone's already going through something. It's. I think it's absolutely bizarre that if you're really good at something, you're looked down on, like, mm. oh, and then if you're really bad at something, you get absolutely slammed as well. Mm. So if you're in the public limelight, it's hard to win. Yeah. Like it's hard to, it's hard to be one of the likable characters that isn't so if you're always winning people are going to be annoyed at you. Mm. If you're always losing people are going to be annoyed at you. Like how yeah. do you find how do you find the common ground? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nah, it's, it's it's weird. And um yeah, look I think people just need to hop off the keyboard. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Just, use uh, use social media for positive reinforcement rather yeah. than negativity. Yeah. Or just stay off it. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, also true. Works, I agree. For the people that are doing those sort of things, just get banned, get off it. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, let's um, look. As much as I love talking about footy, uh, once again, I think the listeners will probably uh, troll me if we keep talking yeah, about fair. footy. That's so fair. Uh, let's talk about Dreamworld, your next single. Yep. So, um, so for those listening, I haven't heard. It, I don't know anything about it. So this is the this is the clean slate. This is you pitching Dreamworld to me. Tell me about it. What what, what is it about? Cool. So Dreamworld is a short, sharp indie rock banger. That's the easiest way. It's a su- it's a summery song. We're coming into summer. Strategically planned that. Oh, yeah. I had this one sitting there for quite a while. Um, this song. On the surface, like a lot of my music, actually sounds like another corny love song, mm. but it just is all about my own brain. Mm. I started picking apart my brain, and that's how I wrote this song. Mm. So the verses are just um, I can I can recite some of the lyrics to you to give you a bit more of yeah, an idea of I'm what's keen. going on. I'm keen. So um, initially, the verse goes into "Don't go running from where you are right now. Don't go hiding. It'll bring you down." So that's when I was in my room, mm. working from home, absolutely hating everything. Mm. You don't know just what you're worth. Find it now and break the hurt. Hazy times, we're in it now. So that's the first verse and how that kind of outlines it. That, that was all just me confined in my own space, sitting mm. at home. And then the chorus goes into, all I want to know is that you are going to be there for me when all this fall, when all this crashes down. So that's talking about my brain being mm. there for me when I'm feeling like crap. And... Um, in between that it's really fast really up tempo fun guitars <laughs> cool riffs yeah, going I, on I, i'm hearing like this really sad song but i know when if you play it later it'll just be like it'll just be so uplifting and yeah I'm, it's yeah, a it, man it's a really it's a really fun song yeah come but on brain yeah, it, yeah. it's it's literally just and i know um when i when i because as i said i was working i'm working with this publicist mm. and they um and they i wrote a quote about the song and they're like really <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like yeah <laughs> Because because oh. there you could you could look at it from very different perspectives, and both would be reasonable. Mm. Like if I told you this is a song about me picking apart my brain, then you'd be like, oh yeah, actually listening to the lyrics, I can see that. But if you're like, if this was a song about a girl that broke your heart a few years ago, you'd also be like, yeah yeah, probably I could see that as well. Yeah. So, but all all it is, it's fun, up tempo, cool bridge, nice chord progression, fun indie rock banger. Mm. Nice man. That's my I'm, pitch. I'm very keen. Do you want to buy it, mate? Where's my uh, Where's my point zero zero four cents? I'm gonna stream it. I think it's less than that, to be honest. But yeah. yeah <laughs> and no. it's only gonna get less and less as the sixty to seventy thousand songs a day get uploaded to Spotify. How Ooh, crazy yeah. is that? Sixty to seventy thousand songs a day uploaded to Spotify. Oof. Yeah, I know. I found that out recently because, once again, what we were chatting about before with um indie artists thinking that um, Spotify, editorial playlists and Triple J are the only really two mechanisms you can be to be famous. Mm. That will potentially come with time. Mm. But um, when the people who are curating those playlists have 60,000 songs to sieve through to Mm. put them on a playlist with 50 songs, you can understand why people don't get added to them. Yeah, exactly. Even with good publicity. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. And I think it goes to show, like, you know, for anybody listening... There's no better way to support artists than buying some merch, going to gigs. If you can't afford it, share a post, you know? Well, Send a message, say, man, that song really touched me. It goes a long way. I, I agree. Like, um, I find it quite quite hard to grasp. Like, um, streams are how people perceive your career. Mm. Streams and Instagram followers are the way people mm. perceive your career. So, yeah. if you have a 
heap of streams and a heap of Instagram followers on your account, people think you're doing well. But that's not necessarily... You must be loaded, right? That's not necessarily the case. What more is there in life than streams and IG <laughs> it's, followers? It's true. Yeah. It's mm. crazy. I, um, I've got a friend of mine in Cairns who's... Um, she's a quite well-renowned art, renowned artist and mm. she plays bigger festivals and she, and she tours a lot and she has music that gets rotations on Triple J every time she releases a new song. She's got good management she's got good publicists that work with Mm. her she still works two other jobs like Mm. she cannot fund her music career by just her music career like she has to work at a cafe and work at a retail store to be able to get by yeah that's the thing that people don't really understand that aren't in the industry Mm. like if i've played and i can't play a show in brisbane every week because people won't see me yeah exactly so you have to be quite smart with the way you do all of that stuff i might play a show in brisbane every three months Mm. or four months because there'll be people that actually might want to... They're like, oh, we haven't seen him in three months. We might want to go see him again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, there was something I found out a few years ago. Do you know a band called The Gaslight Anthem? No. So, they're quite a popular band. Um, very big in America, but also they tour the world. Like, they've, they've had a good following touring the world. Um, so, when they... Well, it's the peak of their earnings... The band members made about a hundred grand a year each. Yep. So you think a hundred grand? It sounds good. You take it, but it's not a lot of money in context to so many jobs. So you think, wow, that's what a, a band that's not mainstream pop music, you know, you know, mainstream radio, is making, and they're big enough to sell out huge shows in America and tour Australia and the UK and everything every year. That's not a lot of money. No. Not at all. Um, a funny thing I got, oh, I was talking to somebody about recently is um, there's a group, uh, a couple of guys from Cairns that made it overseas. They're in a in a hip hop trap electronic group called Chase Atlantic over in America, and they're signed to um, Warner, I believe, at the moment. Um, but um, when people hear they've signed a half a million dollar contract, they don't realize that that's the company putting half a million dollars into the artist, mm. not the artist getting paid half a million dollars mm. they sold out four world tours before they made money like that i think that's yeah. a crazy thing yeah it's basically and yeah and that's the thing with labels isn't it it's basically a loan like it's not where here's some money you literally have to pay it back yeah the the label generally makes interest from it because they take you know once that's been paid back they're still taking a big cut it's yeah it's completely not what people think yeah Yeah, it's very very hard but at the same time they're the ones that are finding the bigger opportunities for these artists well that's the thing the labels need them oh i mean the labels will need them to to get their money back exactly so yeah the art and that's why it's like you know there's a lot of pressure i think when you're on a label as well like and labels have a lot of say in your sound like I, i know artists who are on labels who've recorded albums that the label refuses to release because the artist and the label can't agree on the sound for it. Yeah. And that, for me, blows my mind. Well, like, that isn't, isn't the whole thing of being a musician, yeah. having, having the creative license with yeah. your music, I think, to yeah. a certain degree. You should be able to play and release the songs that you like. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, for me, like when I, heard, when, I, when I saw that, and I know a few other artists have gone through really hard times on labels too, um, I should say the mainstream ones, not like boutique labels, they're very different, but you know, the ones that are actually forking out money for your release, um, man, I'd rather be independent and work a day job than, than have someone tell me what to do 
with my music. I don't know. It's just I would find it really hard. I'd have to be. I think that I'd have to really believe in what vision they have before I'd even consider it. I agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Equally, though, I can understand why people would do it because it's such a hard industry. As you said, like, streams are king. Mm. Um, And if you're not making money and someone says, we're going to give you $100,000 advance to do this album, well, you're like, well, I can quit my day job and I can actually give it a crack. Yeah, 100%. Um, Doja Cat was signed... Have you heard of Doja Cat, pop artist? Yeah. She was signed to a major label in the States for nine years, up until now. She's Mm. only been popular the last year. And she'd recorded three albums that got scrapped and all of that mm. sort of stuff. Now, obviously, she's reaping the rewards of her journey to get mm. to that point. But I just found that quite quite crazy. Yeah. Um, well, they they in Australia, they did a study on overnight success. And they worked out that it takes around 10 years for overnight success to happen. Yep. That's crazy. Like, you know, someone like Amy Shark, probably, what, the second biggest export in the last few years out of Australia... Maybe her what, five seconds of summer and uh, dance monkey. Yeah, um, <laughs> tones and I. Yeah, tones yep. and I. Yeah, you know, Amy Shaki like literally was just playing for ten years on the Goldie. It took her so long before she got the, the adore break, yeah. and when she did, well, the rest is history. But um, yeah, I mean, ten years is a long time to be chasing a dream that's not giving you any money, yeah. like. No wonder not many people make because it's it literally is like life happens, you know. Things get in the way. It's hard to keep pursuing. Yeah, well, but yeah. once again, if you have money commitments, if you've got a mortgage, if you've got a car repayments, you've got to make. Mm. If you've you got, got a kid, if you've got a kid, if you've got kids, if you have a family, you have to support. Mm. If you've got to support a dog, like come oh, on, dog toys, dog food, dog treats. I know, That's I know, expensive. I know. They are. But it's worth it. It is, it is. Like, literally, dog toy. I don't even know why that's there on my floor. But, you know, look, you know, Luna, she runs the place. I just live in it. Like, toy's literally there. Like, that random tennis ball. That's fair enough, though. Yeah. I don't even know what's under the couch at the moment. I'm sure there's toys, though. They deserve to run the show. They do. They're too cute, you know. Well, let's talk about music next year. So, you're obviously gearing up for releases and stuff. So... I really would love to hear, like, this is like gazing into the crystal ball. Like, what, what do you think the music scene is going to be like? Let's go even just in Australia next year. In Australia, I'm envisioning via my crystal ball that I'm rubbing right now. <laughs> I'm envisioning a lot of international artists coming into Australia to tour. Because um, when, when, um, when a lot of international artists are interviewed within Australia, they say how fun the scene is to play here. They say mm. how well the fans respond to their music. So from an actual playing capacity, Mm. I see a lot of international artists coming in and touring Australia. What we've seen now with Billie Eilish and Dua Lipa and the bigger pop stars, they've announced their tours towards the end of next year. Um, I see a spike in music in general because I think there'll be a lot of people that wouldn't have had the ability to go into big studios. They would have learned how to produce music at home and they would have like learned to record their own music. I see a lot of smaller festivals popping up mm. around the country because I think there was a lot of funding that was put in through various means, i.e. the Queensland government or the federal government. There's mm. a lot of grants going around for people to actually run events and put on events because, as you probably know, if you're booking a bigger artist on a bill, you're paying them up front a certain amount of money a lot of the time. Mm. And like, um, so for for the average promoter you're not going to be able to fork out that amount of money yeah so being able to put on events and stuff i think that'd be pretty cool 
I'm just hoping that I can play some shows as well. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. We're, they better fit us in somewhere. Yeah, right? no. Yeah, no. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy. I know there's a lot of venues in Brisbane. Um, like I was in conversation with one the other day, and they're booked out for Fridays and Saturdays all the way up until June. We're in October. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, like well, October um, 25th, and they're booked out till June. Yeah, that was the old thing when I started booking stuff for my music. I thought you could just book it a month from now, but I've realised you have to book two or six months in advance. Yeah. Like if you're, if you, that's why it's important as an artist to have your shit together. Yeah. Oh, pardon my French, but just because you have to have your timeline in order of your release schedule mm-hmm. when you're actually going to play shows around that, because... You need to be so prepared in the industry. Like I was this year with many tours getting cancelled as well. Mm, so Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know but. there's... Pre- being, and that, I think that's as well like what you've just said. It's so hard to get your shit together in music. And then when you do it and then something like COVID happens and you just, it's so demoralising. Yep. I think... I don't know about you, but I, I definitely found like... The first year of COVID, I was accepting of it. I, I had to cancel, you know, a tour and... You know, I was just accepting. I was like, you know what? It is what it is. The world's in this together. And then this year comes along with the full of promise and you book shows and you book things and then cancel. Oh, okay. And then you just don't... Up, literally up until the week of whether you're going to make it or not. Um, it's happened so many times yeah. this year. And I found like... Even with this show coming up and, you know, next Friday... I, I don't even feel really excited for it yet. And I've felt this every gig I've played this year. I don't feel excited until literally the day of when I the press conference comes in and it's not cancelled. Like, then I'm like, okay, I can get excited now. But it's such a weird mindset. How crazy is that, yeah. though? To, it's such a rough way of thinking because mm. I know, similar to what you were saying, I used to get so amped because mm. for all the shows I was going to play, but now it's like... Will this go ahead? Yeah. I'm stressed about this. Mm. I'm not even thinking about the show. I'm thinking about the everything else that goes around that. Yeah. So I'm hoping the silver lining. I know that everybody's getting their vaccinations. I know that everything's going to open up. I'm just, I'm hoping there's a silver lining next year. And I, that's mm. why I kind of, towards the end of this year, I actually just, I don't want to say I gave up, but I just said, no, nah, I, mean, I just need to, I'll sort my stuff, mm. sort my stuff out for next year. Yeah. So the last... I wasn't actually... The last song thing I played was that Listen Up thing. Uh, the mm-hmm. Listen Up um, competition because um, prior to that, I'd finished up some shows in July. I said, I need to just get all of my stuff together. Mm. I've got this clear vision of what I want the music to portray, how I want to brand yeah. it, and what I want to release next year. Mm. Let's just look towards that as a goal. Yeah, so, for sure. And I think that's important. Like, I did the same thing, unfortunately, last year. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this year's going to be the year. And then, yeah, it was very disappointing. But at least, I mean, it's very clear. Everyone's getting vaccinated. You know, the, the states are opening up. It can't, they can't really... It, surely we can have another year like this year. It doesn't seem possible. I don't think we can. And I don't think we will either. Yeah, like, I don't think we I, will I, I do either. see yeah. the light at the end of the tunnel. I do see us... Being able to go and travel and do fun things. And yeah. <laughs> like, well, I hope we can go travel and do fun things. Yeah, yeah. Even for we can us. definitely do fun things. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, but having, like, uh, my plan is to release an album next year, like you are now, and being able to play a full tour around that, 
I need to probably start preparing for that and um, the time I'm thinking of playing those shows will be around that July and August of next year. Mm. I need to start thinking about that now because what you're saying is for some venues, they're booked out that far in advance because they would be inundated with artists that would have had tours booked in March, got cancelled. May got cancelled, rescheduled to August, got cancelled. Mm. They rescheduled it to the middle of November. The borders aren't open yet. We, we'll just go to next year. Yeah. So, like us as independent artists we've seen a little bit of the pain but major touring artists they Mm. would have seen it in abundance as well yeah and everything that goes behind the scenes with that stage crews Mm. um stage crews booking agents yeah media management all Mm. of the other behind the scenes things venues especially like there's been venues that have closed down throughout covid yeah yeah it's pretty tough eh? especially like you know even like going back to sort of what I was saying about the Gaslight Anthem at their peak, we're earning 100000 each. Like, a lot of artists are probably one, you know, established artists are probably earning somewhere between, like, the 40 to 80 mark. Now, imagine, like, how hard would it be for those artists? That's their job. That's their literal nine to five. Um, that's their rent money. That's their food money. It's putting their kids through school. All of a sudden, their tours are off, and that's where the majority of their money is coming from, tours and merch. Yep. All of a sudden, that's gone. Like, at least I feel so grateful to have a day job. Uh, I never thought I'd be saying that a few years ago, you know? I never thought that would even be a thing. But a lot of musicians who aren't rich, who are just basically honest middle-class workers who just happen to play music, that was a reality that was taken, you know? Well, I don't see... I I wouldn't think many musicians would be in the higher tax brackets. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Yeah, it would be it would have been incredibly tough. So I think yeah, it's really great that there's going to be a lot more opportunities for artists this year. Um, I oh, sorry, I should say 2022. Yeah, it has to happen. It will happen. Um, and I just hope my my big hope as well is that you know the those those acts who can now come back and tour. I really hope a lot of them then look and help the next line of artists get them on the lineups because I feel like. The music industry, we obviously, like, it's been hard with, you know, even as footy fans, like, you see a stadium full and you see, you know, 10 people at a gig sitting down wearing masks. And it's hard to really say, well, that's, how's, where's the fairness? I feel like the music industry is the industry that can only pull itself up, you know? Um, And I feel like it's important for artists of all levels to, to help each other and, you know, from top to bottom, just keep helping the next the next era of artists and the next run. You know, I agree. Um, I agree, and that's why um, that's the, one of the main reasons. And this isn't a plug. This is that's one of the main reasons I like left my job uh, last week of my mm. job right now. I left my job to do work in more work in the industry and have my own business helping artists doing mm. that sort of stuff. That can be anything. It's not just necessarily a PR and marketing company. Mm. I can help a band book their first show Mm. or I can help them get their stuff together. I can help them with their own project because it took me seven years of trying to figure it out to get to a point where I can do things for myself properly, like well, Mm. like which I think is pretty crazy. Yeah. So being able to, that's what you were saying, trying to pick up people that don't don't have that knowledge or Mm. haven't had the exposure to the industry in the way Mm. that I have is a, will be a pretty cool thing, I think. Yeah, I think so too, man. I think it's, like, as we're saying off air, I think it's really awesome that you're doing that. And I think, you know, I think as well, to put it into context, it's not like you're, 
you've left a job for a pay rise, you know, this is, this is heart and soul stuff. And I think, um, you know, any musician who's been through the traps and has had to learn from their own mistakes because there's no one there helping you learn. I'm sure anyone in that position would say there's a lot of value in what you're going to do. And I think, um, I definitely think it's, as you said, it's not a plug, but I think, man, people should reach out to you if that's something that they're interested in because just having a t- having time to learn from each other is going to be so important. And I think if you're new in the, in the, in the industry and it's something that um, you're unsure of, like bookings or, you know, the value of publicity, hell, even, like, what's mastering? Like, yeah. I still don't even really know what mastering does. <laughs> I, the, way, the, way I describe, the way I describe mastering oh. is making things shiny. Yeah, that's the own. That's that's my most technical view on mastering. It's it's compressing vocals and drums and making everything else shiny. Yeah, and that's how I would describe mastering. Yeah, I once heard a, my favorite analogy for mastering is you've just mixed a song and it's basically like a hedge, but there's you know some of the branches are sticking out a little bit here, there, and everywhere. It might be a bit long, close to the power lines. The mastering guy comes in and just trims it nice and neat, so you've got these nice little hedges, you know. That's that's what mastering was described to me. And you know what? I it still, makes sense. I hear it and I think, man, it sounds better. How? Yeah, it makes sense. I'll pay it. I'll yeah. just have to roll with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's just there's a lot of value. And I think there's a lot of things like, you know, there is value in even something like a question like that. Having someone that you can ask and get an honest opinion, like, is mastering necessary? Um, you know, do I need PR? Um why do I need a press fight? I can't just take one on my mobile. <laughs> it's, it all, it's all good. It's yeah. because it's the perceived value of your brand as an artist. Because yeah. that's all you are. Yeah. You're, you're a brand of your own music. Yeah, and how exactly. you portray yourself is yeah. up to you. Yeah, And that's why that's why all somebody mm. in my position or somebody who's working in the industry can really advise is just mm. make yourself the best version of yourself because that's your brand. Yeah, And that's that can be translating from how you play your live show to how you portray how you portray yourself as a on your Spotify profile mm. to how you act on social media to all of that sort of yeah, stuff. Definitely. That's all what comes under that project development header, which I'm also interested in one, navigating myself, but two, helping other people navigate through their careers as well. Yeah, exactly. And I yeah, I think there's a lot of value in it. And I'm really keen to see how it goes. I'll be definitely watching on with a close eye. Thank you. I'm keen to see where it goes as well. I'm hoping it goes well so I can actually live. Yeah. And we'll do a full up podcast next year to talk about it. We can like break it down, like the review. Andy's PR. How did it go? <laughs> we can we can plug it further there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the podcast will be sponsored by your, your publicity. So Sounds good. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's locked in. Yeah, you can't get out of it now. Once it's on air, it's done. So <laughs> Oh, Andy, this has been really awesome, man. I really appreciate you you coming in, and honestly, it's so good that to have you here in person. Like, after I had um, you know, I've done one other podcast in the last week and a bit in person. Before that, I had months of doing them via Zoom and things like that. And as good as they, as as good as that technology is, it's just not the same. So having the chance to sit down with someone face to face is just awesome. Well even being able to have the conversation we did before getting on air. Yeah. And not having the awkward silence and the awkward notion of, oh, can you hear me fine? Oh yeah. is this yeah. working hood oh, oh, oh is everything working fine? Yeah. I um I find it hard to read people mm. sometimes over phone calls. And like Zoom videos with people with their cameras off. I worked, I work, worked in mm. the IT 
industry and I was running training sessions and working with clients on video meetings a lot mm. of the time doing remote work for them a lot of the time I'd have my camera on they'd have their cameras off and I'd be working with them for four to six hours on a phone call sometimes Ugh. like yeah. it's it's crazy and I found that <laughs> that's I love connection I love yeah. connecting with other people and building relationships with other people and um, doing that remotely is a lot harder than actually doing that in person and being yeah. able to have this sort of conversation so yeah it's been really definitely. nice and thanks for also having me on the podcast as well no man it's been great well I do have one last question before I let you go all right um, what is something or, or someone that you're grateful for? I'm not going to... I'm going to do two people. Yeah, you're allowed to do two. I'm allowed to... I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> and you can probably already get my answer. It's mum and dad. Bye. Oh, I, I was hoping a dog would get a mention. No, oh. no. Te- Tess is at home. Tess She's is a close home. third. Te- Tess yeah. is a close third. But mum and dad definitely are the two I'm most grateful for. Um I was, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not a very confrontational person. I like mm. to linger in the background and be more reflective on situations rather than confront them head on. And um, my dad has helped me with the actual confronting of situations and mum's helped me with dealing with the reflecting of situations mm. and getting to the point of going to my boss saying, you know what, this isn't 100% for me. It took me two and a bit years to say that, <laughs> mm. getting me to a point where I could say that. And then also having them there as a security blanket all the time. Like mum and dad are my two biggest fans. Like uh, they're, they're up in Cairns and um, the first interstate show I could play post, pre and future COVID. It's all kind of in mm. one. Um, when I went down to play in Melbourne, they came down, which was sick. It was really nice to just get to yeah, spend some time with them. That's awesome. And then being able to come down and support me. I was lucky enough to actually get to play shows interstate this year. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy. I picked the right time. Yeah. There was like a that full one week, week window. Yeah. There was a full week window. Literally a full week window. And that was yeah. from the middle of April to the middle of May. Yeah. But uh, mum and dad have been awesome and trying to navigate through this time in my life where I want to do all of these things, but I know that there's every other part of life that can come crashing down on you money capitalism is all just there like you you need to have money to live yeah and um i'm trying to deal with the stresses of that when i'm trying mm. to start something on my own as well so having them today has been pretty sick yeah no that's awesome man that's yeah. uh, definitely helps like you know when if you can have i think especially when you're younger like try, wanting to get into music and you have there's always going to be people to say oh it's a hobby you know go study get a real job if you can have your parents in your corner makes a lot of difference yeah it's really all you need um and to everybody listening on the podcast uh, jordan has an album that he's <laughs> releasing and um this will probably be released after his yeah, show yeah. <laughs> the bearded lady next friday yeah but do get and listen to the album and buy the cool red vinyl my man yeah take his advice people yeah. it's cool a wise man yeah. <laughs> i'm wise wise beyond my years <laughs> Oh, thanks so much for coming on. Awesome. Cheers to that, Jordan. Really appreciate it.